Hello, welcome to Utopia Stephen Chicken here, joined down the line by a very excited and vibrating David Hartrick. How are you doing, Dave? Am I excited and vibrating? Is that what I, is that what I'm giving off? You're swaying from side to side. I, I thought you know we'd just give the, well, the listeners a visual and try and match what the what the listeners at home are, are feeling. <laughs> well, it's more because I use a standing desk and I pulled my hammy slightly on Monday at five aside. This is why I'm moving around so it doesn't get stiff. But yes, no excitement, vibration, all that sort of thing. You need to be careful with those soft soft muscle injuries dave i think you need to look at your training regimen there it's back end of the season i'm in the red zone <laughs> how did you get on though did you score i did i score i scored a worldie actually in and amongst four or five more yeah talk us it through was just it. a kick around uh shifted the ball onto my left then moved right on my own halfway line banged it top corner five aside court smashing lovely stuff you don't want to hear about Dave's five-a-side exploits, though, because we've got a massive, 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 massive game coming up on Sunday as Huddersfield Town head to Wembley to take on Nottingham Forest with a place in the Premier League on the line. We're sure <laughs> that you, you'd heard a little bit about that at home. A lot of you will be on your way to Wembley. Uh, I'm sure we'll see a few of you there at, at Wembley Way. I'll be wearing my new blue and white striped suit uh, in support. Dave will be in his joggers and and t-shirt i think (laughs) yeah more than likely but um no i mean it's a huge game we talked last week we we recorded before forest and sheffield united had played each other and we talked a bit about the challenge that town faced and we focused a lot on what town had done in over the season and in the playoff semi-finals in particular against luton but now that we know it's forest we can we can talk a little bit more about them I mean, first of all, for me, Dave, I think it's the right two sides in the final, isn't it? I think the league table sort of tells us that. Yeah, um, Sheffield United were dangerous and they, you know, they proved it. They took Forest all the way. But I think you look at Forest and Town's second half of the season, they are, Town took the most points. I think Forest took the second most points of of every team in the league. So, yeah, it's undeniable, really. And it it is a bit of a cigarette paper of a game as well. You know, it's... Very, very difficult to split the two sides. They are a dangerous team, Forrest. You mentioned the form they've been in. Obviously, Town have been in excellent form as well. As you say, it's a cigarette paper. I think when I looked at it, I think Forrest are one point better off than Town since the beginning of December. Obviously, they had a, a rougher start to the season than, than Town. Not that they're banging on about that at all. But mm. where have they been dangerous under Steve Cooper? What's made them so good over the past few months? Uh, they're quite a uh, sort of Liverpool light, really, in that they um, Liverpool have evolved uh, this season. But one of the things that Klopp did was try and overcome a few inadequacies in other areas by just going hell for leather. And Forest have done that themselves in quite a few games. They they've got lots of goals in the side, and they spread the goals around. They're very dangerous out wide. The thing they are more than anything, I think, is brave. Mm. Um, I think they're the bravest team in that league by quite a way. Um, and that, I, I think, why it's a cigarette paper game is that, you know, one of town's strengths is having a tactical plan and nullifying a team and making it, you know, knowing where the space is and making it difficult and tight. And that is, that's the exact thing that Forest don't like playing against. So. It, it really does come down to sort of who 
who gets plan A right, really, I think, if I'm honest. And I think with Forrest that like everybody knows about Brennan Johnson and how good he's been, but he really is good. You know, he, he's a Premier League player, to be to be honest with you. One way or another, he's a Premier League player. So he needs to be watched very, very carefully, but they've also got other very, very good players. They've got very good striking options as well, um, so they're likely to have a very, a, a very attacking look to the bench. But they're not, you know, they're not a... a super robot they can be got at Sheffield United showed mm-hmm. how you can do that which is basically weather the storm a bit and then pick a you know pick the know where the holes are and and put a man in there and pick your passes and uh yeah it's I think Forrest are being made out by one or two to be like this sort of awesome super team and they're really not but what they are is if they go 2-0 up it's nigh on impossible to to get that back that's that's the issue so you have to be quite tight quite controlled and give as little away as possible yeah Keenan Davis is is back fit as well and I, th- I think we saw against Sheffield United across the two legs they play those their, their front two almost as very split strikers you know they'll drift out wide into pockets whether it's Davis, Surridge, Johnson and they've got Zinkenagel as well, who, who can come in from behind. The midfield will press forward, as you say. It's, it's very Liverpool light in that regard. I mean, Sheffield United played a back three against them. And where Forrest got a lot of joy, both in terms of the goals they got and the chance creation, was finding those pockets of space to the side of, of the back three. It's it's a classic failing of the of a back three and with wing backs that if you can get in behind the wing backs, you can cause that back three to pivot like a seesaw. You can turn them round on themselves and send them sort of scrambling. I think it seemed like town will probably go with a back three they've generally favored that over the last few weeks although they played a 4-4-2 against forest last time they played them uh, in the league so who knows that there might be a surprise there but whether it's Pippa or turton and we presume it's going to be harry toffolo on the other side whoever plays in that back three needs to be super alert and they also need maybe a bit more protection than the normally town would give them with those wing backs we talked about pippa last week uh, and the debate between him and Turton, I think we're both of a mind that Turton is maybe the better option for this game. But th- th- they can they can turn you that way. Yeah, and I think the other thing you've got to consider is how you're playing and how you get Sorba Thomas in as well. Yeah. Um, so it's not just as simple as Pippa out, Turton in. This is the thing, because do you put do you take both of them out and have Sorba on that side if you're going with a 3-5-2 and having the two up top? Because I don't actually think Probably playing as one of the two is is the best way to use Thomas in this game. If if I'm, I mean, I don't know. There's there's lots of individual battles on the pitch to work out, and it's a real that team sheet will be very very interesting. I think for both sides, very very interesting. I I'm there are a couple of ways that Carlos Corbran could go. I think with it and. I think once we have the team sheet and an idea of how they're going to set up, we're probably going to have a rough idea of what plan A is, aren't we? Yeah, and and I think I agree with you that the first focus needs to be containment on Forest because I think if they can... I think probably Town's best chance, when you look at the goal difference, the goals scored, goals conceded by each team, although Town finished higher up the league, as I say, that's largely because... Forrest had that absolute stinker of a start under Chris Hewton, a manager who has never done anything in the English game, Dave. There is no evidence Forrest <laughs> wouldn't be here if they still had Chris Hewton at the club. 
But um, I think if if it does become a tight game and it does become a game of few chances, I think that is where it favours Huddersfield Town because of yeah, defa, the defa. threat they have from set pieces. They're very good on the counter-attack at times. You know, it, it, it could be a case of of if, try and make a quick start if you can. We saw that against Luton. They they worked on, Oli Turton said, I think it was, and maybe it was Dwayne Holmes said they'd worked on that kickoff against Luton from which they should have been given the penalty for for the foul on Harry Toffolo right in the first 10 seconds of that first leg. And I think Town will look to start quickly and then if they can't get something in the first 10 minutes, it then becomes right, let's let's spoil the game almost and, and look for those set pieces, look for those opportunities on the counter, see if Forrest come at us more and more trying to get it done in the 90 minutes and see if we can catch them on on the counter kind of thing do, do you think that's the best approach i think it's probably the only approach really i i think the the one watchword for me is that these this is going to be a game that is going to be settled by the fine margins as and when they come up so you've got to keep those fine margins fine you you've got to as i said if you if you're two nil down to nottingham forest uh, the game has has gone it's it's you're not you're not going to pull that away they're just too the minute you have to sort of try and open up to try and get something yourself forest will pick you off going the other way um because that's the situation they sort of they try to engineer so what town have to do is make sure that they're they're in the game throughout and it feels like a, a game where the first goal is big as well um because the first goal could possibly if if town can get that first goal that's huge for them because they will be quietly confident of sitting or sitting on that or adding to it because we've seen town do that how many times before we've seen them do it to nottingham forest this season if forest get the goal and town have to alter their shape um and come out a little bit more that changes the game in another way and it's yeah, I, I every time I look at this game, I keep finding something new to sort of wonder about. There are so many questions around this game, and I, I keep coming back to the same thing, which is just keeping those fine margins fine. Don't let anything get away from you. Um, but yeah, what's your take? Yeah, I, I think I'd agree with that. I think you're right about individual battles. I think it's all going to be individual battles and, and second balls. I, I imagine that will be the focus from Carlos Corbran in this week's training and analysis you know we, we know that town they don't commit to a huge number of tackles I think they've they've gone in for the fewest tackles of anyone in the league this season but what what, what they are very good at is defending the areas defending their area and try to frustrate the opposition and I think we know that Steve Cooper likes to have a lot of possession but town are no longer a side who you know who have one way of of playing you know we've seen them win games where they've had almost no possession we've seen them win games that they've dominated Mm -hmm. in possession and we've seen everything in between as well and they're particularly good in those games that are the fine margins you know that the I've brought this up a number of times but when you look at the xg in individual games which can be dangerous you need to look for trends in xg and the trend for town is in the games that you would expect to be draws where there's an xg difference of sort of less than half a goal either way you would expect a lot of those to be draws and maybe an equal number of wins and losses but Mm -hmm. in fact town have i think it's happened 21 times this season and town have won 12 of them drawn eight and only lost one 
unfortunately that one <laughs> was Nottingham Forest at home but I think town have come a long long way from when they played Nottingham Forest at the John Smith in September that that was a time of the season where there was still a bit of inconsistency in the town side and they did have those weird off days like they did against Forest like they did against Middlesbrough the second half of the season sort of from December onwards really they've only had two off days in the league and those were games where they had a really tight turnaround and a big away trip to Millwall you know the Millwall and Bournemouth games the only two games they've lost which isn't the case here you know I'm going to look at the numbers on it later but I know that when we looked at it earlier in the season basically the longer Carlos Corbran had to prepare for games the better town did which is a comment you've often made he's you've always said he's sort of the opposite of Danny Cowley in that respect who who was very much the other way around so I think we're sort of the other issue is that we're talking about this like it's a normal game of football but we know that playoff finals Mm. the pressure can be telling and there is a lot of journalists that I've spoken to and a lot of pundits I've seen speaking there's a weird sort of and I wrote about this earlier in the week, there's a weird circular logic at play where a lot of people are saying the pressure is more on Forest just because this is their first ever playoff final. It's the first time they've been at the new Wembley. It's, you know, they've not been in the the Premier League for 23 years and the expectations on them probably are a bit higher with the money they've spent than they are on, on town. And I think being an underdog does suit town i i wrote a piece a couple of weeks ago saying they shouldn't be treated as underdogs to the playoffs they they are the big dogs when you look at their form when you look at their results over the season but you can look at all the logic and reason and results and numbers you want but it's what the players feel on the day and they certainly seem to feel that they're the underdogs which has been backed up by what the bookies are saying i think daisy there must have heard us talking about underdogs and decided to to, to yeah. come in there dave apologies apologies but she was barking outside the door <laughs> um yeah I, I like i know i was talking to my friend steve about this game over text and I was, i've had the same conversation with a couple of other people as well in that i think however town fans bear with me when i say this but this game could all be about nottingham forest because they in terms of the pressure i think there is a world where they rise to it and really enjoy themselves and come out and are really at it and i think there's a world where they collapse like a house of cards too um and i think probably five or ten minutes in you're already going to know if either one of those things is true i think the only thing i would say is i've seen a lot of town fans saying the pressure's all on them it's off us just how we like it etc etc nottingham forest are a club where there's always pressure (laughs) You know, I know this is a unique circumstance for them and the first playoff, etc., etc. But there is always pressure at Nottingham Forest. I'm, I'm going to say it, and I know this rubs a lot of people up the wrong way, but they are a big club. They are a big club with a storied history. They have a big fan base. So it's not like they've just come from nowhere and suddenly all the pressure is on them. They are mm. used to going in with levels of expectation, etc. So I don't think it's quite as cut and dried as all the pressure is on them, so they'll feel it. But yeah, there is a world where they could collapse. There is there is that world, and you know, let's hope they do ultimately. And I feel like that is more likely to happen to Forest than to Town, to be honest. Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah, 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 absolutely. But 
I mean, we. I was talking to Sarah Clapston, our equivalent at the Nottingham Post earlier today, and I was asking her about they, they don't have many, if any, players that have played in playoff finals before. The town have got quite a few at various levels. Jordan Rhodes and Danny Ward, mm. Ollie Turton, who has a bit of a um, <laughs> a ghost to banish because yeah. he scored that own goal for Blackpool last year, which they then went on and, and won anyway. But... Um, you know that they've they've got players that have been in this situation before Tom Lees as well um but she was saying you know <laughs> it's not like Forest don't have players that have played in big games before because they have you know yeah. likes of Brennan Johnson and Steve Cook etc they have been in these high pressure scenarios so i think that is that maybe is slightly less of a factor than than it might look on paper mm. when you just look at the playoff records and not just of the players but of the clubs as well because you know this is town's sixth and forest's first but uh, i think town are probably better prepared to to come in and and even all that said i think town are better prepared to come in and and handle that pressure well and and stick to their jobs because that is what the, their success this season has been built on you know you always say that town maybe at times lack a bit of adrenaline and are too focused on control but if there's a game where that maybe place their advantage it could be this one yeah yeah i i don't disagree with that at all but there is pressure on town Mm -hmm. i think is the point and there's been i don't know there's been a like i say a bit of a sort of online move that our town won't feel it at all they will will, because a it's a playoff final b it really this season has been a culmination of a lot of things coming together at the same time and you know sometimes the stars align and you have to take advantage of those situations and the other thing is just because town have been here and done it before they have the very recent history of the premier league that in itself creates a little bit of pressure because fans know you can get there (laughs) fans know it's not a glass ceiling you can get there and there is a level of expectation. I I just think that it like you. It's one of those games that reduces you to cliches because it's like on the on their day, <laughs> both sides can win this game. It could be a game of two halves, so it could swing at half time, and it is going to be very close. That was a trend for both teams in the semi finals, wasn't it? Mm. That that yeah, I've, absolutely. Both, yeah, both both sides had sort of games of two halves. You know, Forest were absolutely dominant against Sheffield United in the first half of the first leg and then let them back in it late on, let them back in the tie. And same same thing in the second leg for them. And and similar with Town, you know, they they were under the cosh at Luton and then put in a better second half performance without creating a load of chances. And to be honest, in in the second leg were under the cosh for an hour before Silver Thomas yeah. came on and and helped turn the game in their favour. So I think both sides have shown sort of both sides of of what you might expect in this this final they've both shown that they can have good spells and dominant games but they've also both shown and Carlos Gorbran has admitted it they did town did let the emotion of the occasion get to them a little bit um particularly in that first leg at Luton where it was you know obviously a, a hostile crowd a big big home crowd for Luton who were desperate to get to Wembley um and I think both sides have shown the the you know that they can handle the pressure and shown signs that they the pressure might get to them so mm. it's another another reason to think it's too close to call yeah about the only prediction i think i'm willing to make on it is i i don't think it will go to extra time and penalties i i think this is a 90 minutes game that i think it's going to be tight um 
and it's it's going to be won or lost on who takes their big moment i think and i just the the more i look at it i just can't see it going to extra time because i i don't think either side in reality wants to keep it goalless for 90 minutes and roll the dice i think both depending what the game state is at various times both will have a go and both will roll the dice at some point and that may look like Forest playing quite quite high and Town trying to counter, but Town have got basically a perfect system and a perfect set of players to counter with. So that is a very valid tactic. The other thing is, I think the benches on both sides are likely to be really, really strong. Mm-hmm. Really strong. And I think that's notable because I think if it is a tight game and we get to 60 minutes at nil-nil, I think you could genuinely see players for both sides come on and make a huge a huge difference um that's not always been the case for town so again it's another reason why you look at the game and you look at the two sides and you look at the benches and you think well yeah you really can't fit much between them at all i think my my feelings on sort of extra time and penalties do sort of depend on fitness and whether Sorba Thomas is available to start say whether I, I doubt we'd see Tino Andrin in the in the starting lineup at this point because you know he's not started before and I think Carlos quite likes having him as an, an impact player um, from the bench but I do feel like if and we don't know yet we'll have the press conference um, tomorrow afternoon Thursday afternoon so that'll be on the, the live blog uh, live from the stadium but um and I don't know how much of an injury update Carlos will give us because before the Luton second leg, he, he was holding his cards to his chest and, and you can understand why. He's normally very open, but for that game, he decided, <laughs> I'd rather not tell you. And fair enough. Um, if you're going to do it for any game, it's this one, isn't it? But I think if if Sorba Thomas isn't fit to start and can only come on for the last 30 minutes plus 30 minutes of, of extra time, then maybe that is a scenario where town might go actually we're comfortable with this going to extra time although obviously you'd rather get it done in the 90 i think they might feel maybe a bit more comfortable than forest with the idea of of extra time and penalties just it's not to say that forest don't have impact players they can throw off the bench but i think town have proven it with thomas andrian and and jordan Rhodes over the past few weeks yeah that's precisely it but i <sighs> I think if Sorba Thomas is fit to start, I think you've got to start yeah, Sorba Thomas. And I think that I think gambling and sort of saying, well, we can get an hour out of him, so we want that hour to be a half an hour and then potentially extra time. I just think it's too much of a gamble. I think even if you you're think thinking, starting. yeah, I think even if you're thinking we we're going to have to have a serious look at sixty minutes to see what he's got left in the tank, I think you've got to start him because. You know, ultimately, you could be bringing him on into a game situation where it's already gone. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, it, it, this is this is the this is the problem, and I, I just think you start your strongest eleven, and things change in games. You know, I, I, you lost Danny Ward in the second leg against Luton. What was it about half an hour in, thirty-five minutes, for, in, for, like forty that. minutes, forty-one minutes? I think he went off. Yeah, which nobody could have predicted, and you still grind out the win so I, I I just think you get your strongest 11 that you feel is most capable but the thing about Sorber I think the other side of it just looking at him individually is it's although I don't think he does his best work up front in a two I could also see the validity of playing him up front with Ward to try and stretch them and try and get mm. your quickest player 
and your your player who's who's most willing to dribble to stretch them that way have Turton for a bit of defensive solidity, but then that means dropping the player who was probably the most effective player over two legs of the semi-final, which was Sonani. So who has has come up in a few big games for Town? So these are they they're good problems, but they're problems nevertheless. I think that's. When I was, someone asked me for a predicted lineup yesterday from another site because they're going to cover the game and they just wanted a bit of team news. And when I put the predicted lineup together, which I'll obviously I'll, I'll put on the site uh, probably on Friday, my the the big decisions were Pipper or Turton. And and you're right, there's a possibility Sorber Thomas could play, but I I just think I think you've got for me you've got to go Turton. And then I think we know that you know. There's a few shoe-ins there. Lee Nichols. Tom Lees was was not videoed in training in Portugal uh, over the weekend, but um, you don't know. know, We'll presume he's fit until we're told otherwise, I think, because that could be the most minor of things. And I think you wrap your players up in cotton wool at this point. I think think it's probably too too big an occasion to throw a matting person into cold, contrary to what I said a couple of weeks ago. Um, So I think if it is a back three, and I think it will be, then that's Lee's whole Colwell. Possibility is Saar, maybe, but I think I would go Colwell. I think he offers more. I think only if, if I mean, if there was a problem with Lee's, I think you'd have to look Saar because you yeah. can't... Uh, you, Turton has been good when he's played in a back three, but I think you want two properly established career-length central defenders in the back three. Yeah. You, and the sort of idea of having Hogg and Turton as two of you three with Colwell, who you forget is still mm. 30-odd appearances into his professional football career. I, I, I think you'd have to go with Saar. I think it would maybe be... I think if in that scenario, if Pearson and Lees were not available, then, yeah, I think Turton, Saar and Colwell would probably be the three I would go for. But um, Harry Toffler, obviously, on the left, John Russell, Lewis O'Brien in the middle. And I think we'd go Danny Ward over Jordan Rhodes, wouldn't we, despite recent form. Obviously, Danny Ward, he's... I, I, yeah, you see, that like, is a complete contrast to what I said on Sorba Thomas. I think if that... <laughs> Even if Danny Ward's sort of half half it, I think the way they've got to set out that game, you need Danny Ward in there. He is yeah, perhaps absolutely. the key tactical part of, I'd say, about seventy percent of Carlos Corbran's formations and designs. So, and but like Rhodes is a really good impact player. If you're one yeah. nil down with with fifteen to go, Rhodes is an excellent option to bring on. As we saw in the semis and. Yeah. And over the season, really, there's been numerous times this season where we've praised the impact that he's been able to make from the bench. And I pointed out in a piece earlier this week or last week that there's been no player who's been taken off more in the league than Ward for town and no player that's been put on more than Rhodes, despite the fact he missed half, nearly half the season injured. So that has obviously worked for town this season really well. So why change that now? But the ones where there's question marks for me is... If Thomas does start, then you have to drop one of Holmes or Sinani. And are you going? You go with the three-five-two here, just to clarify. Or the three-four, the three-four-three. I think regardless whether it's a three-four-three or a three-five-two, you have to choose between Holmes or Sinani. Whether that's to play in central midfield or play on the left wing. And my answer to Sinani can't play in midfield, can he? No, that's we it. Know, we know what he can do now. But he could play up top. <laughs> so, but. But in a three-five-two, if, you, if you're picking between the two, then I think you would go Holmes. The three-four-three, I think it's less clear-cut, and my answer to that would probably change with the weather. But if you ask me now, I think I might go Holmes, and then 
leave Sonani as, as the option from the bench. I, I think Holmes probably does more in his all-round game. We, his, his end product maybe isn't quite what, what Sonani's is. But he was so influential, particularly that first leg against against Luton. Um, and I think I would probably, for this particular game, where pressing Forrest and stopping them playing is so important. Not to say that Sonani's been a slouch off the ball, but I think Holmes is a bit more, you know, terrier-like, um, a bit more dogged. But you, you seemed to hint earlier you would go Sonani. The thing is, I, I, I think... I think this is is such a tight game. You have to look at people who can break the game open for you a little bit. And uh, Sonani is such an odd player with with thirty seven. <laughs> this will be his thirty seventh appearance, and you know exactly what I'm going to say, which is, I still don't know if he's any good. But what I do know is that he's capable of moments, particularly in in bigger games. He does seem to like a, a, an occasion to pop up with one, and mm. I think you can't just. You can't just rule that out. I personally think this is a game where you have to go for the three-five-two just because, like, you've got Zinchenko who's going to drop into that space as a ten. You've got two wide players who are going to push those town defenders wide. I think you've got to look at the players that they've got coming from deep, like Garner. I think you need an extra body in midfield. Yeah. So I think you have to play Russell O'Brien as a given. I think probably you have to play Holmes like you because I think you need his work rate and his. Um, to be frank, you need it was it was very seeing him in that Luton game. He was really really good at the sort of organisational side and yeah. he was he was talking players through it and he was trying to set standards and I thought that was really. Uh, really interesting and also we know because we've seen him do it more than once this season he puts a little bit extra in against Forest because he gets a little bit extra from the crowd yeah <laughs> uh, from the Forest crowd so I think you've got to have him in there yeah which I think means I don't know it, for me you've got to play Thomas and you've got to play I think you have to play Sonani at the moment. Um, so this, <laughs> is, this is the problem. You, yeah, you just said there's three players there you have to play and we're trying to choose two of them. <laughs> I think I think how you could set up is basically you have hope, you, you play Thomas as your, your right wing back, but you task Holmes with basically dropping into that space every time he goes so there's constant cover there and, and Forrest can't just stick a man behind Thomas and be brave and just try and hit that space every time. So I think that's one way you could you could do it if you didn't want the sort of extra defensive surety of Ollie Turton. Um I mean there's an argument. I just think <sighs> Go on. Yeah, it's really tough. I was about to say there's an argument then that you play Turton in the back three regardless. But then it's like, but then you're taking one of Tom Lees or Jonathan Hogg out, and I don't think either of those players are going to come out if if Carlos Gorbrand no, can possibly no. help it. So you you do want Hoggy on the pitch because he's been there, done yeah, it. Yeah, you you want Town need that on the pitch. So so this this is the issue really. I think we've probably got a. <laughs> I think before we get to the questions, I think we've probably got to nail our colours to the mast here, Steve. So I will say three five two. Um, I think the back four doesn't need discussion unless we find out Tom Lees isn't fit. Toff, O'Brien, Russell, Holmes, and I am going to go Thomas and Sonani and Ward up front. I think, hang on, you've got three players up front there. No, I've got, I'm going the three five two. I've got O'Brien and Russell and Holmes, Thomas Wright, eight as right wing back and then Sonani and Ward up front got you got you sorry yeah I think for me 
3-4-3. Holmes on the left, Thomas on the right. Uh, I, I Do I think that? I'm really torn. <laughs> yeah. I might even leave this in to show people how torn I am. Yeah, I th- do, you want, actually, do you know what? Thinking about it, I think your lineup makes more sense. I think you need to have Russell offering that that extra layer of protection but he needs to be on his game right from the first minute we can't have a repeat of what we oh, had does he, uh, in the two playoff yeah. games where he needed until half time to get going I think they need to be telling him you need to play that the way you did in the second half of both games right from from the off really so I think the lineup you yeah. picked is solid the, the where I differ though I think if it is 3-5-2 I think I would have Sorber up front instead of Sonani, and I would have Turton at right wing back. Yeah, I, I, this is the problem, isn't it? You can make a really valid, <laughs> really valid argument for both, but I, I just my my sole theory is just based around how Town counter attack really. Yeah, and how I think with Thomas up front in the two, I just don't think it gets the best from him because although you can stretch defenders and get him running into areas. I just don't think it's as effective as when you've got him on that side as the outball. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's I could make a completely valid argument for your choice as well. That's the issue, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Good problems, but problems nevertheless. Yeah, that's it. Got some questions from the listeners here. Uh so I'll I'll run through them, Dave. Cam Fry asks, are there any t- statistics about superstition? For example, the West Stands in Wembley seem to be regarded as a lucky side by town fans because of 2017. Is this statistically approved? Uh, I don't think either of us <laughs> are particularly superstitious people, Dave. I don't think it makes any difference. Carlos Corbran would give that complete short shrift as well. Um, you, you say that. You say that. I am genuinely considering wearing the exact same outfit I wore for the semi-final, <laughs> the second leg. Genuinely. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely, because like over years of playing football and what have you, it's less superstition and just more routines. Having little routines that just but make your you feel routine doesn't matter. They're not going to be looking to the stand going. What's no logical. <laughs> yeah, there's no logical sense behind it. But I know when I wear my Green Arrow T-shirt, it's going to be a good day. So I think sometimes it's just I don't know, karmic fate. I I think with superstitions and stuff like that, I think it's just. It can get in players' heads. There's one or two. If if you're prone to reading football autobiographies, as Steve knows, and if you ever see the background of my uh, <laughs> of my office, I just wall to wall books. Um, a lot of players get so tied up with superstitions that it just becomes a completely self fulfilling prophecy that they're exactly right. If they don't have that certain thing or do that mm. certain thing, they do have a bad game because they've decided that before they even go out onto the pitch. So I think any omens or anything like that, the best thing you can do is probably just ignore them. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Cam also asks, is a pitch invasion possible at Wembley? Uh, hopefully not. No. E- even the Sunderland fans didn't do it last Sunday. No, I, and that comes down to the the way the place is stewarded and the way it's done differently. It's It, it would be, yeah, it would be impossible. Uh, and hope, I mean, <sighs> I have mixed views. I think, to be honest, I don't get upset about pitch invasions per se but I think obviously we've seen over the past couple of weeks there's been numerous incidents not just you know at town there was one at Forest as well at Everton you know the, the list Is it Mansfield yeah the, the, the other player the list goes on and on and on so 
Yeah, I mean, we said it last week, but you know, if you can't behave yourselves at the ground, then then stay, please stay at home. Um, and you know, if you can't handle various substances and you should be sticking to the legal ones, um, then then go easy, enjoy the day. It's a long day, um, so you know, too much Lucasade and too many Haribo. Mm-hmm. Dangerous That's conversation. Exactly it. So you know, please just everyone behave and think about think about who you're representing and and the image you, you're putting out whatever happens um <laughs> all right dad <laughs> <laughs> and you're not going out wearing that uh yeah if all defenders including hog but perhaps pearson are fit what back line would you pick to best match Forest's attack i think we've sort of talked talked through this um i mean i think we can't include pearson at this stage unless he's been absolutely unstoppable unplayable in in training i don't think no, you can consider but putting the, the question is if if they were all fit then it would be colwell lees and pearson yes, for me yes i agree um, but but it will be colwell hog and lees won't it i expect so <laughs> I've I've don't know I've worked myself into a shoot and started wondering whether it is a game for Turton to play, but as I say, that's that is a um, you're taking someone out who I don't think you want to take out. So yeah, I think it. I think all things being equal, Lee's hog, and and Cole will will be what we get unless there's there's a real surprise in there. So there we go. Uh, Joe Kershaw asks, are town better placed to take on a Forest team who tactically performed well against us in the Cup? Or do town need to ride their luck against a good side instead of dominating the game to win? I think they're unlikely to dominate the game. I just think, you know, we've seen when they've played Swansea, when they've played Forest, when they've played Bournemouth, that they, even when they played West Brom, when they play a team that, that want to, well, the old West Brom, when when they want when they play a team that want to have a lot of the ball, they generally don't try and you know that they they are quite happy to let them do that and just stop them from getting into the box, stop them from creating a huge number of chances and 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 pick them off and set pieces and counter attacks rather than trying to force the issue and take control of a game that realistically they're not going to take control of, but. As far as the FA Cup performance goes, of the three games they've played this season, I think that is the one that you can just say it doesn't matter because the team was so heavily rotated that day. Um, I think the town's Pippa focus... spent 10 minutes at centre forward. He did. Town's focus was so obviously on the league in that, you know, at that point of the season and rightly so when you see where they've ended up finishing and... <sighs> I think that you can put that aside because, you know, for instance, the goal they conceded from that set piece was, and I'm not trying to sort of single him out, but that was Josh Ruffles showing that he hadn't played a huge amount of football in this team this season by playing a man on side in a completely avoidable way that, frankly, we've not seen the the, the team do generally speaking this season. Uh, I know they conceded from a set piece against Luton, but that was their first set piece goal they've conceded for a long time so I think you can almost cast that aside but the one that does concern me a little bit is I know they won at the city ground but Forrest did batter them for a lot of that game Town relied on a lot of last stitch defending and let's be honest a lot of luck to get through that game and get the victory there and you know chances are that if that happens again that they end up losing they don't end up getting as, as lucky this time so but I think as I say that game was back in December. Town have come a long way since then. That was a time of the season where we were still a bit anxious about whether Town could do it in the big games. 
but their record over the season, particularly compared with Forest, who have struggled against the top six. Town have been very, very good against the top ten this season, particularly away from home. And I think you can almost treat the trip to Wembley as an away game, really. How about you, Dave? Um, I think the cautionary note is that all three games against Forest this season have been odd. Um, the first the home game just after the manager had gone was like um, it was like the shackles had been taken off them and they had a point to prove the second um, the the league game like you say was really it was <laughs> on any other day you think okay Forrest get a goal from somehow, somewhere and go on to win that but it just wasn't their day and in the end if you remember Town missed a couple of decent mm-hmm. chances late on as well to, to wrap it up so that was a bit of an odd game. And then the FA Cup was an odd game because there was a very different context to it. As you say, both sides made a few changes. Forest were slightly stronger. Town went ahead. Forest came back. And again, second half, Town had a go, but Forest were fairly content and in a little bit of energy preservation mode. Uh, yeah, it's very, very difficult to judge things on those three games. Yeah, And I think that... I, I keep saying it, but I do think the fine margins have to stay fine. The The big issue with Forrest is that they want you to open up. They they want to get a goal ahead, 2-0 ahead, and then pick you off and get number three and number four. So it's very... I think one of the big things that Town have to be, and a big part of their, their tactical plan, they've got to be really clinical. And that's not just in front of goal. It's with their passing. It's... It's with everything, really. Um, they have to be some not not perfect because no football team is ever perfect. But they've got to be so clinical in everything they do that they've got to make sure that sort of ninety percent of everything they're doing is right. Yeah, and that's that's it's achievable. And Town have achieved it several times. But I think that, as I said, there is a world where Forest completely collapse as well. So it's it's just who knows really, and I think a tactical plan as we've seen this season in a few games, Steve, ten minutes in it can go out the window anyway, <laughs> and everything everything can change. The beauty is Town have options to change it, don't they? They can, and I think they're better placed than most teams in this division to to do that. Probably the best placed team out of all of them. And the other thing I would say is like we've talked around this game as though we're expecting Forest to be dominant, Forest to be the better team, Town to have to sort of play the spoiler and and hang in there and you know try and nick one and all of this and you would bat them to do that because that's you know that's a lot of why they've been successful this season is they're very very good a bit against about in playing against good teams and stopping them from playing their best but that's not to say there haven't been games this season where town have been clearly the better side including some of those big games mm-hmm. you know they were against fulham for instance most notably yep. they were against sheffield united they were against middlesbrough so you know that th- this it's not like town are, are uh, you know going into this like Jose Mourinho style against Barcelona trying to grind out a result that they could be they could be you know and and I'm sure Carlos Corbin will want them to be looking to create things for themselves and if they play their best then then they can absolutely do that Forest as you say are not an indestructible side and and town shouldn't be tricking themselves into thinking that they are they need to go in with confidence and they need to look at those previous games and say right well we can give every anyone on our day we can give anyone in the in the this division a game and beat them except maybe Bournemouth I think the, the, just coming back <laughs> to the word clinical again um it, it's 
if there is that world where Forrest are struggling under the pressure as well, they have to be clinical enough to know they've got to take advantage of it because there will be a point in the game where Forrest get themselves together if that happens. So it it really is what can't happen is town to have a really dominant first half, be on top and go in at nil nil. They've they've got to make the most of any chance they get in the game. So yeah, I don't know. It's uh, we've we've been back and forth on so many plans and formations and, and what have you. You can only imagine what Carlos Corbran is having to deal with. Yeah, I'm sure he'll already have a very clear idea of of his side and that they've been training towards that. But yeah, I mean, we could at this point, Dave, talk about what comes next and what's at stake, and you know, our town ready for the Premier League and all of this stuff. But let's save that for next week I think because whatever happens on Sunday we're then going to have to quite quickly and the club will as well start looking at next season and preparing for next season and transfers and all of that kind of thing but I think that is a discussion to be had because otherwise we'd be talking about two different scenarios and Mm. one of them's going to turn out to be a complete waste of time for us but Mm. um you know, I think there's there's reasons to be optimistic going into this game. There's reasons to be cautious going into this game. It's a playoff final. That's what they're like. So just try and enjoy the day out as much as you can. I'm sure the nerves are already sort of setting in more and more as, as we move towards the game. But, you know, just bear in mind these these games don't come around too often as as fans and you know you're not the ones who have to play it just enjoy it as much as you can and and to reiterate as well a point that Dean Hoyle made which town were good at in in the playoffs the the semi-finals which is you know when things are going against town and they will at certain phases of this game stay behind them get behind them more than than you have been when things are going well because you know these these things can make you say it's fine margins and if that gives them an extra one two three four five percent then that could be decisive for him yeah absolutely but do try and enjoy it these days are few and far between even if the result doesn't go town's way who knows just do try and enjoy the occasion i know it's nervy i know it's it's the playoffs are the absolute best way to win and the absolute worst way to lose but it is an occasion it is seeing your club at Wembley it is a great day hopefully the sun will be shining Steve will be in a new blue and white blazer (laughs) what's not like you know what's not to love that's it it's what it's all about it's why we watch football isn't it so yeah let's uh, let's be ready for it and let's let's enjoy the day and this is you know this is almost a, a hacky point to make but you know we do need to recognise as well that whatever happens on Sunday, even if they lose three nil, you know, even if they win three nil, it's been a, a fantastic season. And you know, I'm sure the summer is going to be long and hard. Leave it, but um, you know, and it's going to raise all kinds of questions. What whatever happens in the game, you know, in the transfer front, other clubs looking at certain players, who are town going to bring in? How do they improve the squad? How do they keep the momentum going? But I think there's reasons to be optimistic about next season, whatever happens. And, you know, it will hurt, I'm sure, if if it doesn't come off on the day. But, you know, I think 
once a few days have passed, I think there's reasons to be optimistic about Huddersfield Town's future and, and the path they're on. You know, if you haven't read them yet, I highly recommend you go and read the, the interviews I did with Paul Clements, uh, the goalkeeper, head of goalkeeping, who was really, really insightful about how things work behind the scenes, not just on the goalkeeping front and Lee Nichols, although there is obviously a focus on that. But, you know, in, in all aspects of the club and all aspects of the coach and how they're developing players, how they've got back on track. And I've, I've spoken to Lee Bromby as well, and we talked a bit more about how Carlos Corbran has adapted and changed and grown as a coach that interview's gone out today and and it's just as good so get on those it's a really really good read and hopefully sets us up really nicely for the summer and there's more to come from both of those guys as well we've we didn't want to everything to get lost because obviously we've got to focus on the playoffs and also I've only got so much time and between various interviews and media engagements I need to pick how I'm spending my time this week quite carefully but we will have more from those interviews up next week after the player final as well uh dave is there anything else to add absolutely nothing no you don't have any musical hot takes this week well just that i've i've really enjoyed going back and listening to oasis's early stuff including b-sides and it's very easy to say they were bad but actually they were good i don't think they were bad but i was never into oasis because oasis is what the kids who used to pick on me for my own musical taste at school used to listen to so uh that that put me off to be honest they fe- there's no denying they fell off a cliff at one point but whew, early stuff nigh on untouchable there we go Right, thank you for joining us, everyone. We'll see you next week. Uh, we'll be travelling back from London on the Monday, so it might need to be later in the week again, but we'll see. And, yeah, uh, I think we might need a couple of days to detox <laughs> as well and just actually take in either way, because if it's gone the right way, there's a lot to think about and a lot to discuss. If it's gone the wrong way, there's a lot to think about and a lot to discuss, so we might we might go wednesday thursday i think next week yeah plus we've got a long summer ahead of us as well so yeah we'll do a bit of a season review um i think after we do a a podcast reflecting on the player final itself and don't forget to vote in the player of the year poll as well uh i know how that's going dave you you don't know how that's going um (laughs) no i have no idea but uh who would uh who would you be be looking at for for that if you were voting in it (sighs) Uh, I can only imagine Pippa is streets ahead. Um, I think that there's a couple. What's nice this season and what's very reflective of this season is that there's genuinely probably there's four or five candidates and there's three really strong ones in O'Brien, Thomas, and Nichols. I think I would probably personally go uh, with Nichols, and it's it's very close between him and Sorba Thomas. But I just think like. You can almost see uh, the evolution over the course of the season. It's like happened in front of us mm. with Nichols, and he has made a huge difference. And uh, but that's not to downplay what Thomas has done. I just think it's it's so rare for a goalkeeper to actually win a player of the season that when they have a season like that, it's it's nice for them to actually to actually win one because outfield players, particularly attacking players, usually get all the glory, don't they? Yeah, I think on top of the three you've just said, I think. Tom Lees and Danny Ward are worth a mention as well. Yeah. Like uh, they would be my four and five, definitely. Yeah, I think these are. It's one of those seasons where, in any other year, any of those players would win it hands down. Mm. But they've had such a strong season yeah. with so many good candidates, uh, and as you say, Nichols has had such an outstanding season that <laughs> that someone's going someone's going to end up finishing fifth. That in another year would would have won it. But there you go. That's that's the joys of having a good season. Right. We'll see you next time, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Goodbye.